My guest today is Arthur Geese, who's discussing his review of Alien Isolation. I'm Justin McElroy, and this is Polygon's Quality Control. Look out behind you. <laughs> Just kidding. I mean, I will tell you right now there's an alien there. I promise you. You bought that alien, though, and it lives with you in a hilarious sitcom that nobody knows about me. Yes. Uh, Arthur, you're, we're here to talk about alien uh, isolation. But before we get to that, I want to know sort of what your... Um, I, 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 I'll be honest. When I joined, when I got into video game journalism, I was very surprised to find that there's a cadre of people in this field who have a lot of really like super strong opinions about alien and aliens. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And I had like, I think I saw one of them once. Uh, It was very strange to me. So like, what is your, what is your uh, alien profile? Uh, So for me, it's the cop out answer, right? Because I like aliens and alien for very different things. Um, And uh, the thing for games is that games have been ripping off aliens basically since aliens came out um because hey there's ostensibly a bunch of really creepy creatures and you shoot them and that's a pretty good foundation for a video game yep whereas alien is a horror movie and it's like people running away from this thing and there's only one of them and i think that's a much harder video game to make yeah i mean we specifically don't see a lot of i mean there there's there are many horror games there aren't a lot that i would describe as like stealth horror games um what in your estimation is like the best example of this genre like if you were to point to a a seminal stealth horror what's sort of like for for you the best the best example of that um i think a game that that sort of got a lot right that i i think maybe is like a spiritual influence on alien isolation i think if nothing else would be condemned I don't know if you played Condemned back in mm-hmm. 2005. Um, it had a sequel, right? It did have a sequel, which was yeah, completely insane. Um, yeah, it was very creepy. I remember there being a, a head in a bowling ball bag at one point. Yeah, and I a, Condemned. Like a murderous polar bear, I think. Yeah, um, it was, that was a weird game. But uh, Condemned was always in the dark, and it, it was very slow, very methodical. The sound design was really strong. You were always listening for what people were doing. Like, you didn't necessarily want to get in fights because you couldn't always win them. Uh, and I, I think, in a lot of ways, that's very much a foundation of what Alien Isolation is. Was that a... That wasn't a Star Breeze game, was it? No, that and, was uh, Monolith, actually. Oh, yeah. Well, who, right. Yeah, who just had uh, Lord of the Rings, the, the, uh, the new... Yep. Shadow of Mordor. Um and they did Fear as well. Sure, yeah. And uh, No One Lives Forever. Yes. Songs were just rattling off. <laughs> sure, why not? Uh so give me the give me the the elevator pitch for for Alien Isolation. Like where does it fit into the universe? So Alien Isolation is set 15 years after the end of Alien uh and the detonation of the Nostromo by Ripley, by Ellen Ripley. Uh, Alien Isolation stars Amanda Ripley, uh, who watchers of the director's cut of Aliens will know is the daughter of Ellen Ripley, who died when she was in her 60s, I believe, uh, which was like two years before Ripley was found and brought back to Earth. 
Okay. Um, so this is set 15 years after Alien, when Amanda Ripley is in her 20s, and she's an engineer that works for Wayland yutani which is the same corporation that uh, employed Ellen Ripley and sent the Nostromo out to the planet LV-426 to scout the derelict spacecraft. Uh, and that's where they found the alien and all hell broke loose. Do you have like a, a xenomorph bust on your desk that you're fondling as you rattle this stuff off? Uh, curiosity. Man, I, there was a time in my life where I definitely would have. So like games tend to have a, a mechanical loop uh, that, that defines them, what the experience of playing it is like, and there's variations to it, but like, these are the loops that the game is comprised in. Usually they're pretty easy to understand, right? It's a typically like a, a not typically, but a lot, most games of, of this type, sort of a power fantasy where you mm-hmm. get new weapons and then you get new upgrades and you become stronger and stronger and stronger and better able to deal with the threat around you. And it sounds like uh, this game sort of bucks that uh, idea. Um, so what, what is the what is the loop of playing Alien Isolation like? I mean, at least to start, yeah, it's it's much more a weakness fantasy than anything. You're you're helpless in a lot of ways uh, in comparison to other big sort of AAA action games. Um, as Ellen, you go to the space station, the Sevastopol, where the flight recorder from the Nostromo has been found, and you're sort of going there with the idea of getting some closure. And when you arrive, things have gone wrong because this is an alien game, uh, and you are separated from the crew of the ship you arrived on, and you're trying to find them to survive and to to find this flight recorder and figure out what happened to your mother. Um, and so as an engineer, Amanda is, is pretty competent with mechanical systems. And over time, you're getting uh, these tools that allow you to work your way over more parts of the ship. It's very equipment-gated the way that a Metroid game would be. Um, you're finding these items to help you and you're building these items to help you with your survival uh, and combat in at least at first is very de-emphasized um, mm-hmm. because you are weak like you will die very quickly there are other humans on the ship uh, which has been in the process of being decommissioned before all hell broke loose and so things are pretty messed up uh, and like th- I think that there are immediate corollaries you could draw between this and something like Bioshock, that sort of haunted house with survivors in it kind of vibe. And it actually does that really well that you meet these, you see these people, you don't want to go near people because you're afraid of what they might do. Uh, there are other hazards and I, I don't want to get too much into that because like you and I talked about uh, the reveal of exactly what Amanda has to face aside from the alien, obviously, is sort of part of the unfolding mystery of the Sevastopol and what happened there. Twist, what she has to face is her own alcohol addiction. Sure, yeah, she's Iron Man. It's gone into dark places. Um, So, this has all seemed to start out pretty well. Yeah. Um, In your review, I got a sense of sort of your enjoyment of the game degrading over time from that right. like initial first blush really good impression do you remember a specific moment where it started to turn for you or is it the kind of thing where it just sort of uh, uh, like I said degraded over time uh, I think that there is a specific part in the game where I realized that some things that in my previous playthrough uh, like back at GDC of this year in, in March I thought might be issues were in fact issues um 
And, uh, like, there are lots of problems with alien isolation. And the one that is the most sort of heartbreaking and sort of at odds with what it seemed like Creative Assembly was trying to do is the fact that they just use the alien way too much. Um, there's a specific chapter, which is the first time that you really need to deal with it at any sort of length, which is, which is chapter five. And it just, it never goes away. Like it is always pounding around. It could drop down at any second. Uh, it's like a, like a tweaked out meth addict, like looking for his keys, uh, which he knows are in the room with you somewhere. And he, he'll like just pound around. Hey, did I, uh, did I check in here? Does he remember? Yeah. He stomps around and, and then like he'll stop and turn his head and then he'll just like run in the other direction and then stop. You'll hear him stop. And then he'll run back to the room that you're in ostensibly hiding in a locker or hiding in a box. And it doesn't, it just doesn't go away. It doesn't give you that space to breathe. Um, especially later on as it just uses the alien more and more. The, the tension that I felt earlier on in the game is driven by, by the idea that I won't see the alien very often, but it could happen at any moment. And when it does, it could be catastrophic. Like um, the fr- like the Friday the Thirteenth game on NES. Yes, God. You yeah. Room after room in this cabin, and then every once in a while, oh shit, there's Jason. Yeah, exactly. But if you saw Jason like every second room, oh hey, it's not the same. Even if he kills yeah. you over and over again, and that's when the alien is is very lethal. Uh, and it's smart-ish for a, a video game AI. Uh, if it sees you go into a locker, it will rip you out. Um, if right. it sees a locker and it knows you're around, it might press itself up against it to see inside, at which point you need to sort of hold back on the left stick and hold the left trigger to hold your breath. Uh, otherwise, it will rip you out of the locker and kill you. Um, and this is like one of the situations where at times alien isolation is just really terrible at explaining its mechanics. It just does not give a shit if you understand what's happening. Um, and in this part I'm telling you about the fifth chapter, I would get from one box to another and then I would get to this room, like just past the save point or just right before a save point and go into a locker. And every time the alien would come into that room, it would rip me out of the locker and kill me. And I could not figure out what I was doing wrong uh, to the point where I thought the game was broken <laughs> because the alien would come up to the locker and move its head and it would clip through the locker like the, the head would come through the locker. Not uh, spooky. Not spooky, but that's not the problem. And then it would rip unless me out of it. Unless it's a ghost alien, in right. which case we've all got some problems. Yeah, that's a totally new and terrifying concept. Uh, so it ripped me out of the locker at that point, and I thought it was seeing me uh, when its head clipped through, and that made me really annoyed. But what I realized when I got out of the locker one of those times and decided to hide under something else to change things up after I'd been there for about 45 minutes is that when you hold your breath, it depletes your health. Which it never tells you. So wait a minute. So what you're telling me is you were, you were basically like suffocating yourself to death. Right. You're so, holding your breath to death. So you can't kill yourself doing that. But the thing is, when you have no health and you try to hold your breath, it doesn't work. Okay. All and right. so the alien would rip me out when I was trying to hold my breath with no health and kill me. At least I think this is what was happening. Either that, or that is the worst locker in the world. Uh, Cheap. Why do we get the discount lockers? Yeah, exactly. Um, and so you, the, it, at that point, like there's a point there's, it's like this blurry line between tension and frustration. 
Uh, I wanted to, to, to touch on that line uh, on another thing you sort of touched on, but really stuck out to me. Uh, when you when you talk about the save system uh-huh. uh, in your review, um, if I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, there are no checkpoints, and you can manually save at these specific points that are spread throughout the the level. Is that or, or the the chapter or what have you? Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Uh-huh. They are emergency stations that you have to stick a key card in and then wait for about five seconds for three lights to tick off before it will save the game. Okay. Um, and like how far apart are those typically? Some of them are really close together. Some of them are very far apart. What's um, very like in minutes? Would you uh, say? It's not so much minutes so much as amount of distance you can get before the alien finds you or you have to hide. Okay. Um, so my question is this, uh, when I was reading that, like that to me, I, I got annoyed just reading it because right. like for me, uh, not be- having to replay stuff, uh, at any length is like one of my pet peeves. Right. But I, I can, I could also hear sort of in the back of my head as I read that a a certain class of person or a person of a certain taste who would say like, well, I, that's a hardcore element to me that ups the danger for me, that ups the tension for me. So my, my question is this, when you're, when you approach something like that as a reviewer, how do you make that distinction between something that may just not be working for you and something that just is a, a bad design decision period um i think it just depends on the game because i i mean i like stealth games um i like the hitman games are an example of a system where the higher the difficulty that you set it on the less checkpoints there are to the point where there may be none um and i'm i'm okay with that as long as level design makes sense uh and also it's not so much that it can kill you at any time. It's that it makes you wait so long between doing things that you can easily blow 30 or 40 minutes between like between saving starting after that and dying without hitting another save point, just moving a couple rooms because the alien never leaves. Um, And so that's when it tips over from tension and frustration is when it just kills you over and over again. Um, And I just, I think that the weakness of its save system is sort of underlined by the fact that once you get to the very sort of last part of the game, it does away with that save system completely. Like there is a checkpoint system put in place. That's weird. Um, And when the game does things like that, it sort of undermines the concept of what it's trying to do. Um, And, and so, yeah, it's, it's really, really frustrating. I know that you hate, um, second guessing a developer whenever you know we that pops up in our review I know that's something you always try to to, to edit out because we d- you don't feel like it's our place to say hey you should have designed this game differently we can only speak to sort of our experience but does this feel that being said does this feel to you like an experience that could have been scaled back into a 12 hour game into a, a 10 or 12 hour game that would be able to sustain its momentum that would be able to sustain its tension that wouldn't turn the alien in, into more of an annoyance than, than a really terrifying presence. Uh, I think it could because they build in systems that allow for the alien not to be there and the game to still be tense and scary. Like there are plenty of things that are challenging that can kill you uh, and that are routinely terrifying or concerning at least that you see all the time that aren't the alien. And so 
there are moments where when I was seeing the alien over and over again, my I was just most interested in those parts being over so I could get to the next part without the alien and not because I was scared because I needed the relief. It's because I was just so feeling so stymied at having to deal with this thing that wouldn't go away. And it, and it does, especially towards the end, it feels like there was this initiative or something to make it as big budget and as triple a as possible. And that this is the kind of game that people were going to buy and play. Like we need these explosions in our trailer. So people will buy it. Like we need these crazy things so that when people are talking to their friends, they say, yeah, it's like the end of a call of duty game where I had all these quick time events and all these massive things to worry about and deal with and avoid. And like, man, it sure was cool. And it's not like the game is most successful when it's quiet, when it's tense, when it's measured and when it tries to go all out and later on it sort of tries to become an action game and the mechanics just don't work that well to do that. Arthur, I love Superman and I have played every Superman video game there is and they are all without question uniformly terrible. Um, I know that your people, the alien people have, have suffered a similar Uh. fate over time. Uh, and this seems to be certainly not the worst of those by no. any stretch of the imagination. Are Do you think the Alien fans are still going to get enough out of this that they're... I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm structuring my verbiage in, in every contortion I can think of to not say fans of the genre. My, right. But do, do you think there's enough here for, for Alien fans or is it just going to bum them out? I think... So it's not the worst Alien game by any stretch of the imagination, but the problem really is that at times it is like the best Alien thing that I've ever laid my hands on. Like when it's really working, when the level design is there and the tension is there and the Alien is a threat but not visible but you wonder if he will be, when all of those ingredients are there, it just serves to make it that much more disappointing when it drops the ball in so many other places that mm-hmm. all the ingredients that they needed to make an amazing, tight, interesting alien game uh, are thrown away or overused to the point where it loses its impact. That, to me, is more disappointing than something like Colonial Marines, which just sucked from top to bottom. <laughs> Uh, Arthur, thank you so much for joining me here on Quality Control. Uh, if you want to write to the show, it's qualitycontrol at polygon.com. Uh, you can uh, subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a, a review or a rating there if, if you are so inclined. Uh, and until the next game release for Arthur Geese, I'm Justin McElroy. Thank you for joining us on Polygon's Quality Control. Quality Control.